This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, John Toberlin, T-O-M, and then Berlin, Tom Berlin, I'm not sure how he pronounces it, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, tells about being five, six, or seven years of age, and he's fishing for the first time. He's never fished in his life, and he's excited. He's nervous, and nothing's happening. He's got his fishing pole out in the pond in the lake, and nothing's happening. So somebody, one of his older cousins, seeing his dilemma and feeling sorry for him, came over, and this was prearranged, obviously. He handed John his fishing pole and said, John, try this. And he did, and he started reeling, and he said, oh, I've got a fish. And he started pulling it in, and he noticed it wasn't moving, but it was a fish, and he pulled it in, and he was so thrilled that he caught a fish. And it wasn't until years later when John was at his grandparents' house with cousins, and the cousin who gave him the fishing pole said, John, you don't even know this, I don't think. But we put a dead fish on that line (laughs) and handed you that fishing pole, partly as a joke, but partially to encourage you. And he said he went all his life not knowing that he caught a dead fish. It's a simple story, but it's a story about deception. How that we can be deceived all our lives about something, and that's a simple thing. It's a benign thing. There's nothing evil about that per se. But Christian people can go all their lives being deceived by the the deceiver. Did you know that one of the titles for Satan is the father of all lies? Do you realize how dramatic that is? That every lie can trace its DNA, every lie in your life and in my life can trace its DNA, its lineage, so to speak, back to the father of all lies, and that is Satan himself. When people say, oh, it's just a lie, it's not a big deal, tell that to the Lord. Tell that to the Lord who said he is the father of all lies. He's the murderer from the beginning. He's the father of all lies. And he is the one who is the seducer with a capital S. Why am I talking about a dead fish on the end of a fishing line and deception that went along with it? We're going to study one of the most interesting stories in the book of Joshua, where it's a story that you have to listen to. You're going to have to listen to me read the verses because you have to hear the narrative to know that there were people in Canaan who were so slick and so devious, they knew that According to Deuteronomy 20, God said, don't make any deals with any people of Canaan to the Israelites. You you don't make any deals. If somebody's from another country and far away, you can deal with them. But if you read Deuteronomy 20, beginning at verse 10, you'll see where the Lord said, don't make any deals with people from Canaan. And get this, a group of people known as the Gibeonites who came from a village six miles northwest of Jerusalem. They're in Canaan. They came and pretended to be from a far country. And how they did it was really amazing. The deception they used to fool the Israelites that they had come hundreds of miles, perhaps, just to say, you know, we want to make a deal with you, a treaty. 
The Israelites were not allowed to make a treaty with anyone from Canaan, but they could from someone far away. It's a great story. I want you to listen. It's in Joshua 9, beginning at verse 1. Well, obviously we're out of time, and but we'll begin tomorrow's program reading the entire text, a text that I mentioned you have to hear in its entirety. We'll do that tomorrow. Our website, of course, is crossoak.org. That's one word, crossoak.org. God bless you. And thanks for listening each day to Crossoak. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse, to a deception. Here's the con. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. It sounds like a camping trip to me, but that's another story. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. How can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But now see how dry and how moldy it is. And these wineskins we filled were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. This is the key verse. You don't remember any other verse? Verse 14. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. They didn't go to the Lord and seek his counsel. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. I want to talk about deception in your life in a way that maybe you've never never thought of before. That how people can be deceived spiritually. And people can be deceived emotionally. People can be deceived romantically. People have been deceived in every area of life financially. And the worst deception of all is to be deceived spiritually to be deceived spiritually by the father of all lies. And as I mentioned earlier, that is Satan. I want to talk about how wise they were and how slick they were, is a better word, that they resorted, verse 4, to a ruse. It took a lot of planning to do what they did. Think about that. It didn't happen overnight. They they probably had meetings, and here's how we're going to fool these Israelite people. We're going to tell them we're from a far country. We know that their God doesn't want them making treaties with people who are close by. And so we'll get them to commit to us. Now, this is interesting. Listen carefully. They got them to commit with an oath that they will let them live and protect them. You know why they did that? Because they knew they would honor their oath. 
They knew that the Israelites would honor their oath, and they did. You read the whole chapter, you see where they had to honor their oath because they made it. They were wrong, but they honored their oath. Fulfilling your promise has nothing to do with how well someone else keeps theirs. Some of you didn't hear that. Listen to that again. Fulfilling our promises has nothing to do with how well someone else keeps theirs. You are known as a man or woman who keeps his or her word, or you don't. Do you understand that? You are known as a man or a woman, young person, who keeps his or her word, or you don't. And we'll continue this message exactly where we leave off today, tomorrow on CrossOpe. That's crossope.org. You are known as a man or a woman, young person, who keeps his or her word, or you don't. And we are known as word keepers. But they deceived the Israelites into thinking, we've come a long way. Look at our bread. Look at our clothes. Look at our provisions that we have here. We've we've been on this very, very long journey, and they were only six miles away from Jerusalem. Six miles. And you say, well, that's not very far. How Wouldn't they know these people? No, six miles, if you're walking, is a long way. Six miles, if you're walking somewhere, is a long way. We've come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. I want you to notice flattery in verse 8. We are your servants, they said to Joshua. Flattery is usually involved in a lot of things in life. When someone wants to deceive a person financially, they use flattery. Think about it. When a person wants to deceive somebody in a business deal, they use flattery. When someone wants to deceive somebody romantically, they bathe the person in flattery. Don't automatically assume that somebody that flatters you all the time can be trusted. That's not the case. And they use flattery as a tool of the of deception. I've never heard this before of somebody who's into biology and that kind of thing. You can confirm this for me. Steve Caswell writes about the Arctic polar bear who feeds mostly on seals. I didn't know that, but that's what the Arctic polar bear feeds mostly on seals. To enjoy such a meal, they sometimes resort to a cunning bit of trickery. If the hole in the ice through which the seal gets his food is not too far from the edge of open water, the bear will take a deep breath, slip underwater, and swim to the seal's fishing hole. He will then imitate a fish scratching lightly under the side of the ice. When the seal hears the sound, he dives in for a quick supper, only to find himself caught in the huge, hungry embrace of the predator known as the polar bear. Steve Caswell says this, the devil entices us in the same way. He uses deception and flattery to gain a foothold. Then when we've succumbed to the temptation, he catches us in his trap. May I ask you to think back to the last time somebody conned you or deceived you? I still remember it from high school. It was a time when I was deceived as a high school student working at a gas station. Remember the gas stations years ago? They don't do it now because they're all corporately owned. But it used to be when you'd go to a filling station or gas station, the the owner's name would be above the door, the proprietor. And that was the place where I worked, said uh, proprietor, Jim Sioni, an Italian fellow. 
Jim Sione. And so a man came in one day, just real respectable looking, suit and tie, uh, said, uh, your name is, and I said, Randy. He said, Randy, I just talked to Jim Sione on the phone. And, you know, I wasn't smart enough to realize he'd read it off the, the top of the door. Uh, I just talked to Jim, and I need to make an insurance payment by midnight tonight. And he took off his watch, and he said, Jim told me that if I gave you my watch as collateral, you would give me a $20 bill. And without even thinking, without even pausing, I reached into the cash register and handed this man I've never seen before a $20 bill and took his watch. And as he's driving out of the parking lot, looked at the watch, and I said, this is a carnival watch. It was real thin. It was real lightweight. And I'd been had. I'd been had. But I want you to know something that comes up next, and it's the key verse. It's verse 14. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. All they did was look at the bread, and they looked at the wineskins, and they looked at their clothes and their sandals, and they said, well, they must be telling the truth. They came a long way. They didn't inquire of the Lord. And this is the lesson you've got to go home with today, is that it's a lesson about inquiring of the Lord for any important decision in your life. I talk about this all the time. Parents never think in 2019 to pray for their children in terms of the mate, their future mate, they're going to marry. I'm grateful that my parents prayed for the person I would marry. Unfortunately, Annie's parents didn't pray, so that was a, that's, it didn't work out for her. It didn't work out. But anyway, my parents did. And I'm really serious about that. I'm grateful that they did. Do you pray for your children? Have you prayed for your children in terms of who they meet, who they marry? What about financial deals? You know, people buy houses all the time and not being sarcastic at all. You say, did you pray about it? Well, not really. We talked to several realtors. We looked at some of the statistics in the neighborhood and other prices, but you'd never prayed about it. No, never prayed about it. What decisions do we make every day and do not seek the Lord's guidance? And I'm going to share something with you. I've never shared in a message before. I like doing that, by the way. I like sharing things with you that you've never heard before. People sometimes will say, well, why do I need to pray about everything before I make a decision? Why do I need to seek the Lord's guidance? And I've got the announcement of the century. Here it is. You ready? Here's why you need to ask the Lord to help you make a decision. Because He loves you. And He wants what's best for you. That's why you pray to Him. He loves you and He wants what's best for you. And most Christian people don't get that. They don't get that. The Lord loves us and wants what's best for us. Decide today that you're going to be a person who inquires of the Lord. Would you do that? Make a decision. Today, I'm going to start inquiring. Any business deal? Inquire of the Lord. We make a decision about buying a car? I'm going to pray about it. Make a decision about a relationship. I'm going to pray about it and seek the Lord's guidance. Not because he's a dictator who wants to ruin my life. It's because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. That's why.
Alan Redpath was a British minister who served in England, who did his schooling in England, but he served a number of years as minister of the Moody Church in Chicago, not far from where I grew up. And he writes this in one of his books, never, never, never trust your own judgment in anything. When common sense says that a course is right, lift your heart to God for the path of faith and the path of blessing may be in a direction completely opposite to that which you call common sense. Do you get that? Sometimes common sense is the wrong way. Sometimes the Lord will lead you in something that's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. When voices tell you that the action is urgent, that something must be done immediately, Refer everything to the God of heaven. Then if you're still in doubt, dare to stand still. If you are called on to act and you don't have time to pray, he says, don't act. Somebody says, you've got to make a decision right now. And he says, you don't have time to pray, then don't act. If you're called on to move in a certain direction and can't wait till you have peace with God about it, don't move. Be strong enough and brave enough to dare to stand and wait on the Lord. Now, what happens if you make the wrong decision? This is an interesting thought that Christopher Rich, who's from Marysville, Washington State, God is bigger than any of my sinful mistakes, than your sinful screw-ups, bigger than any sin that has been committed against you. We know that because of the cross, and it proves how in some mysterious, awesome, incredible way, God uses the sinful choices of men to bring about his plan of redemption. So he said, whether you seek the Lord and you didn't, but you've made mistakes, trust the Lord. Go to the Lord with your request for forgiveness and say, Lord, I didn't ask you and I've messed up my life. I've made some mistakes, but now I'm turning my mistake-ridden life and I'm throwing it at the foot of the cross. And you know what the Lord says? I'll work in that. I'll bless you. You see, when you turn over your failures to the Lord, the Lord all of a sudden is interested in your failures because you've committed it to Him. You commit your success to the Lord, why can't you commit your failures to the Lord? You can thank the Lord for the good things and say, Lord, I commit my failures to you and ask you to work in my mistakes and bring blessings out of my past failure for this reason. Christopher Rich said, God is the only one who can not only forgive, but overrule our mistakes and bring blessings out of our sins and past failures. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. There are stories that I use on the radio that produce a great deal of response. And some stories produce more response than others. I'm going to share with you a story that produced a lot of response, and I was really surprised by it. It's about a woman who got married, was married two years in her 20s, 20, 22 years of age, and her husband committed a major crime. was found guilty in court of law and went to jail. And now she's 50, and when she wrote this, she's 50 years old, he's 55, and she's still visiting him once a week in prison. And for some reason, this story struck a responsive chord with a lot of people. I'm going to tell it today. Maybe it speaks to you because it speaks to this subject of God 
working in our mistakes. I met him when I was 19, married him at 20, and we were separated when I turned 22 because he was arrested for and then convicted of a violent crime. He had failed himself, his family, his wife, and his future. But he was my husband. I was mad, sad, disappointed, and frightened, but I loved him, and he needed me, so I stayed. I stayed through weeks of trials, years in jail, and decades in prison. Did you get the progression there? Weeks of trial, years in jail, and decades in prison. Wow. I have faith in the covenant of marriage and of the God we stood before when we took those vows. I have faith in my husband, believe it or not, in his ability to grow and change and become a better man no matter where he is. And he has. Where did Betsy Chalmers from Richmond, Virginia, get that kind of relationship with the Lord? You see, seeking the Lord is a decision that you make early in life. Somewhere, hopefully, in your life, you've made the decision, whatever we do, whichever direction we go, wherever we live, whatever we do, we're going to seek the Lord's guidance. We're going to put things up to Him. And finding out today, maybe for the first time, the reason I do it is because God loves me. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.